I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Say, for instance, you're watching TV or or something and something may walk past behind your vision in, in the kitchen and you look and think, oh, no one's there. And then it sort of was hovering and really loudly calling my name. Julie. Welcome to The Ghost Files. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Where Spirits Dwell and Love Never Dies. For decades, I've been listening to ordinary people tell me about their extraordinary experiences with the spirit world. Now, I'm going to share these moments with you, bringing you all new interviews every week with people who have a spooky story to tell. From seeing an apparition, to receiving signs from beyond, and messages from late loved ones, plus so much more. What can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? Find out each week on The Ghost Files. My guest today on The Ghost Files is Julie, a real estate agent and mum of three who lives in Queensland. When Julie was 12 years old and growing up in the western suburbs of Sydney, she and her friends began playing with a Ouija board. The girls would get together after school and play just for fun. Julie could never imagine how her innocent brush with what she thought was a spooky game would culminate in a night of fear that would haunt her forever. Welcome to The Ghost Files, Julie. Thank you. Now, let's begin with, please take us back to when you were 12 years old and you and your friends began playing with the Ouija board. How did that all begin that you even began to dabble in that? I don't know. I think one day that we all went um, on an on an excursion to a church in uh, Sydney City and we just, I don't know, someone may have started talking about it and one day we were at school and saying, oh, what are we all going to do tonight on a Friday night? So we all started thinking maybe we should uh, dabble in and play with a uh, Ouija board for the night. So there's about eight or ten girls in the group and we all decided to go to somebody's house and stay the night as a slumber party and yeah. do the um, old making up of the Ouija board. So was that the old upturned wine glass and just letters on, yes. on pieces of paper got, all cut out? pieces of paper and with a pen and paper and cut it all out and made our own. It's funny that your first idea or, the, you know, all the girls came up with the idea during an excursion to a church. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how it actually began. Um, and then we, we all thought it was funny and I, I think we were just young girls and being a little bit bored living in the western suburbs and just saying, oh, let's do that again this afternoon. Yes, and um, it is. there is a sense that there's almost a rite of passage about playing the Ouija board as a kid, and uh, I certainly did it, I remember, with my school friends when I was about the age that you dabbled in it, and we got terrified because the thing actually moved by itself, the glass, and then we all just ran squealing from the room, you know. But um, it, did you – so tell me about your how it all began, like your first experiences actually doing it and what came through. Well, actually, the first time that we'd done it, I just – 
believe that everybody thought somebody else was pushing the glass as young girls and giggling and saying, oh, who's pushing the glass? It must have been Julie or it must have been this person. So we all just believed that somebody else was pushing the glass and we just all thought it was funny at the time. Where Now that I think back, I think that glass was actually moving and nobody was pushing it. Okay. And was it spelling something out at that point or was it just moving around? <clears throat> no, no. I it's a long time, but I think somebody called Sandra or somebody come and spelled out their name and we just all were giggling and thought it was funny and someone blaming each other for pushing the glass. Um, and then the second and third and fourth time that we'd done it, we were like, well, who is pushing the glass? This is actually working. Oh, wow, let's ask it questions. Right. And I remember when we chatted earlier, you mentioned that the Sandra personality said that um, she'd passed away in a train accident. Is that right, Julie? Yeah, we, we actually, because we started thinking this is actually true, we actually called for that person and then we uh, we uh, started saying, oh, what happened? And then the glass started getting a little bit crazy moving around and um, I do believe it said a train accident and, and then it started moving really fast and, and then it sort of spun off the uh, – off the table that particular one time. Oh, and how did you all react to that? Well, if I remember correctly, it was my 12th birthday um, slumber party um, and we all went screaming into my room and uh, jumped onto my uh, bed and we're all on top of each other in the in the corner and whoever was last in the room shut the door um, and I had a lock on the door at the time and because we were all screaming, my elderly mother come and she was uh, trying to open the doorknob, so we were all screaming more, thinking it was someone trying to get us, um, and it was my mum trying to get in to see what we were all screaming about. <laughs> oh, that is funny. So how so, – <clears throat> sorry, Julie, were you going to say something then? I think that's when most of the girls stopped playing with them, mm-hmm. playing with the would you board, but I was sort of a little bit more intrigued, I think. Mm. And what do you think it was that intrigued you about it? Why did you want to continue when your friends stopped? I think because I knew um, that no one was pushing the glass and you just wanted to ask it questions and, you know, just being a little bit inquisitive of what's going on. Okay. So so you continued playing it by yourself then after school? No. No, just, no we're still with other people and, and, you know, maybe a couple of different friends mm-hmm. and we started doing it for quite a while, to be honest. Um, and then a few things would happen and I'd be scared in my room by myself or something you would think move past you when you're looking, say for instance, you're watching TV or, or something and something may walk past in your, behind your vision in, in the kitchen and you look and think, oh, no one's there. And you sort of got that feeling that something was around, but you'd never hear anything or see anything move. Okay. If that makes sense. You just got that feeling of there was a presence around. So, so you're about to tell us a, a very frightening event that happened at the end of this, you know, you're, you're dabbling with the Ouija board. But prior to that, there was a little bit of a build-up, it seems, where you were sensing that something had shifted in your home um, and you could see things from the corner of your eye. Anything else that you noticed in the, in the lead-up to the big, there, the big event? There was one lead-up. Well, um we're at my girlfriend Tracy's place and in a small sized kitchen and her mum had her back to us and they were washing, she was washing up at the time. And when we were pushing around the glass, um, we were all saying, oh, what can we ask it? And uh, Tracy's mum was there washing up and she said, well, why don't you ask it something that nobody here at the table knows? And uh, we were sort of like, oh, what shall we ask? What shall we ask? And they said, well, what, what if you, Julie, ask your mum's middle name? So then we asked the middle name and 
the, the glass spelled out Veronica. Mm. And everyone said, is that correct? Is that true? Is that your mum's middle name? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't know what my mum's middle name is. And when I went home a half an hour later and walked in the kitchen and my mum was there preparing dinner, I asked her what her middle name was and she said, my middle name's Veronica. And she said, why do you ask? And I went, wow. oh, oh. <laughs> and then I went to school the next day and told everybody, oh, my mum's name is Veronica. It's true. It's true. <laughs> wow. So that sounds like it was quite a turning point in the, this whole adventure. Yeah. it was. No one was pushing the glass. It was mm. all true. Um, there, there was one time, um, the one that I had with my birthday party, that was the scary one. The glass sort of flew off and broke um, broke something in my mum's uh, glass cabinet and that was a bit scary, that one. So it flew, how far did it fly off? The, were you on a table? We were on a table kneeling down probably about, I ran about 600 to 900 metres, sort of like very close to a buffet. And oh. my mum had like all glass Centimetres, yeah, okay. So yeah, just, yeah, not too far. Yeah, okay. So just around a metre away or so. You, just like, under a metre. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just that would have been frightening and to see something of your mum's broken adds to the fear, I guess, because you're thinking, that's when oh, we all I'm going to get a big run. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how long after that did um, the, you know, this big moment happen when you were watching in bed, watching Flash Gordon? Tell us how long. After that, okay, it would have been probably around about because I was I was about twelve and a half and a bit before I turned thirteen. So um, my next door neighbour had passed away. Um, I was very close with him. He used to take me for drives, and he had a son that was just a year younger than me. So he was a really nice man, and he actually passed away. Um, you know, two or three days before the event. So it could have had something to do with that. But um, I was laying in my bed and I was actually watching the movie Flash Gordon. It was approximately around about half past eight at night and I was just laying in my bedroom. I was born and bred in that house that I'd been in there for 12 years mm-hmm. and never scared of anything. And I heard somebody call my name or something call my name. Um, I reached from my bed and pulled my roller blind back and there was nobody there. So I just dismissed it and started watching TV again. Um, and then probably about 15, 20 seconds later, the echoing of my loud noise name come again. And um, I looked and I looked towards my door of my bedroom um, and I seen a, a figure of a smoky sort of look. Um, I did have a South Sydney Rabbitohs cartoon a5 um, print on the back of my door mm-hmm. so it's sort of like head and arms and then no belly because I had the painting the, the picture there okay um, and then it sort of was hovering and really loudly calling my name and did it sound like a human voice definitely not no mm. 100% not no what did it, it sound sounded, like it sounded like Julie, exactly like that. And it said three times very loud and echoing, Julie, and as it said, it got louder. Oh, my gosh. And could you hear this like as if it was a, a... an audible sound in your room as if it was, you know, like somebody in there screaming. Yeah, so it wasn't. It was very loud. There's no way you could think this is in my imagination. It was a loud noise inside your bedroom. Plus I'm seeing something hovering. Mm. Yeah. Um, My my bedroom door was uh, 
dark brown teak colour. Mm-hmm. So although it was night time and the TV was on, the, because my room was quite a small room, it was quite lit up from the TV. So you could actually see it hovering and sort of like as it would say my name, it was sort of like moving a little bit above that South Sydney Rabbitohs, but it wasn't coming towards me. It was just staying there. Okay, so you had on the back of your door, you had a South Sydney Rabbitohs poster and yes. the, the image, the blurry, smoky image of head and shoulders of a figure was yes. floating above this poster. Is that right, yes. Julie? Okay. Yes, correct. And it was, you could see that and hear that the voice calling your name was coming from that figure, but the figure correct. was not coming closer to you. No, but because I was so scared, um, I ran, obviously because I wanted to get out of there, um, I ran to my door to open it to get out of there, but the figure was basically face-to-face with me because I was trying to open my doorknob and it was right there about probably eight or ten centimetres away Just and it kept calling my name. That's all it would do. And that is terrifying, Julie. And what did it look like when it's eight to ten centimetres away from your face? What were you staring into? Um, I'd say a circle of a basketball sort of size of just it looked like smoke or fog is the only way I could say what it looked like. Did it have features, eyes, nose, mouth? No, no. It was just just like a big circle of smoke or big circle of no, you couldn't – it wasn't distinctive where you could see eyes and nose and mouth and ears. It was just all blurry, just smoke, but cold, if that makes sense. Oh, cold. So was there a temperature drop in your room at this point? Uh, I was so scared. I was trying to scream, but I, I don't know if it was because I was scared, but I felt like it was cold close to me. Oh, okay, yes. Well, it could be that you were scared, but also very often in these situations a temperature drop is reported. Um, yeah. So the the figure before you that is blocking, in a sense, your escape from your room, It was it a solid figure? It was solid, but it was, as I said, there was no features to it. Okay. But you could sort of see like head, neck and sort of you couldn't see the stomach because my poster was there, but then you could sort of see on the le- on the right-hand side where I was trying to get out of the doorknob, you could sort of see the arm and the hand kind of, just like in a in a foggy sense, not a uh, distinctive fingers and hands sort of. It was just like in a um, – like a hazy. Okay. And you didn't touch it, did you? No, I didn't touch it, no. Okay. <laughs> and it didn't touch me, but it was really so close face-to-face that when I was – trying the doorknob, I was actually screaming my lungs out, but nothing would come out because I was so scared. My mother and father were in the next room and I thought I was screaming, but nothing would come out. And I was trying to change the doorknob from left to right to get out. And I don't know why, but the doorknob would not open. That's very, very frightening. And, you know, it's almost like a scene from a Hollywood horror movie, isn't it? I'm wondering how you like I know that you were screaming in, in fear but no sound was coming out and sometimes when we're shocked that happens, that our voices mm. actually don't come out. But um, what were you feeling? Well, you don't have much time to think about what's going on except for you're absolutely petrified and you're seeing something that doesn't 
doesn't belong to this universe. So, and as a as a twelve and a half year old girl, I'm just thinking, what the hell is going on here? And I was 100% wide awake. I didn't imagine it. I wasn't dreaming. I know what I've seen. I know what I heard. And I I don't think this thing wanted me to get out of my room either because I couldn't get out. <laughs> and how long do you think you were face to face with each other like that while you struggled to get out? I've been thinking about that the last few days since we've been talking, and I don't know. It would, it would have been – it probably seemed like minutes, but it was probably like 15, 20 seconds. Okay. And know, it wasn't a long, long time, but it yeah. seemed like it at the time. I bet it did. And what happened next? Um, <clears throat> obviously, I got out of my room. I raced to um, the lounge room where my mum and dad were watching TV, and I just raced and jumped on my um, father's lap face-to-face, and I was, like, shivering and scared, and and I started, like, panicking, talking and saying to him, my mum said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I said, there's something in my bedroom, you know. I didn't know at that time it was a ghost or what was happening, and I said, oh, there's something in my room. It locked me in my room, and it was calling my name, and, and um, my mum said, oh, it's probably the strange man that lives next door. It's his crazy son or, you know, someone's just calling you. And I said, no, no, mum, I've seen what I've seen. And my dad's like, you know, calm down, calm down. I'm like, go in my room and have a look. It's in there, you know. Mm. And my mum was just like, you know, you've had a bad dream or, you know, it's someone calling from outside and she tried to just pass it off but. Um, she later told me many years later that she'd seen ghosts and she just tried to settle me down because she knew that they were true. <laughs> oh, really? And mm. where did you end up sleeping that night? Um, to be honest, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. Um, but I do remember that my older sisters helped me move out of that room the next day and it was at the end of a hallway, the um, bedroom right next to our living room. And our living room was in front of it and our kitchen was beside that room. But I could actually walk around my house without going past that room. So I would walk all the way right around the kitchen and, and up the hallway a different way and then around to the lounge room. I never, ever looked in that room again and I never, ever walked past that room ever again. And we moved out of that house when I was 14 and a half, so about two years later, and I didn't look back. I, I never, ever went in that room ever again. That shows that something, you know, that absolutely petrified you went on in there. Yeah, Definitely. Um, and it just happened to be that the next weekend my sister was moving out. She was five years older than me and she moved in with her partner. So I took um, her room and the other sister had her room. So that room became empty. So it was three girls in the family. Yes. Okay. Okay. And my sister's never seen anything or heard anything in that house. Okay. But so, then again, they didn't play with woogie boards either. Uh-huh. <laughs> and <clears throat> your mum, though, did experience something, although um, she only told you, revealed that later, as you say. Um, yes, my mum was really, really sick, and she said that she had um, this terrible flu, and she was really sick in bed for um, nearly a week, and she said, like, the mattress was just soaking. She was so dehydrated, and she thought, like, she was dying. Um, she was really, really ill, mm. and she said that um, one day she was laying in bed, and my actual father was asleep next to her, and um, she said that when her one of her sisters died when she was a, a elderly teenage, um, her name was Annie Ann. Anyway, her sister Anne um, had passed away like many, many years ago, 20 years ago, mm. and she said that when she was really sick, she thought, oh, my God, I'm dying. I don't feel very well, and she said that, 
Aunty Anne come to the bedside and, and started, she actually seen her and she was waving saying, come with me, Iris, come with me, Iris, to my mum. Really? And then she held out her arm, and my, my Aunty Anne held out her hand and went to grab my mum's arm and my mum said, no, no, I'm not ready to go. I don't want to leave my girls. No, I don't want to go. And then she just sort of floated off and away she went. Oh, wow, that's um, that's quite a lovely story and there's definitely a precedent for those sort of you know, um, visions of when people are very ill or they're close to passing away, which I don't know if your mum was at that point, but certainly um, mm. certainly something serious was happening, yeah. And that was probably around about eight or nine years before that event had happened because mum said I was like four or five or something like that when that happened. So that was many years before I'd seen my ghost. Okay, so potentially in that house. Okay, in that house, yes, because that's what I was going to ask you next. That that night was over, but it wasn't really the end of the story, was it, Julie? No. Um, so anyway, I've moved out, moved into places. Now I was a very big traveller. I lived everywhere in Australia. I travelled and lived in Darwin, Kalgoorlie, Broken Hill, everywhere, and everywhere I went. Obviously, this ghost followed me. I'd never seen it ever again, but I, I swear black and blue that it was with me all the time. Doors would shut, radios would turn on at midnight, spas would turn on, a shower turned on that never worked, and I had so many hundreds of um, events that happened every time I was by myself in a house where I lived. And I when can you're... tell you probably 25 different situations where wow. it, it was so like – it was midnight and a um, uh, spa was empty with no water and it turned on and you had to plug it in to turn it on. I had a shower that could not move its um, rain head and that was the arm was so rusted it wouldn't move and my um, partner was away at the time and I was laying in bed and as soon as midnight come on, the alarm went off, the, the, the shower went up and the rain head turned around, which was rusted and couldn't, and the water was hitting the ceiling. Um, the spa started turning on. Uh, many, many things happened. Like I would be getting dressed to go out and TV would switch on. I'd just, oh, I thought I'd turn that off and I'd turn it off and then I'd go in to have a shower and I'd come back out and the TV would be on and no one had been home. Mm. Well, to me Radios. it sounds like you're a very <laughs> naturally gifted medium. Uh, having interviewed so many mediums in, in over the years, I know that these sorts of events follow them. I don't know if it's something in your electromagnetic field or what. It would be wonderful to, for science to study mediums to see what is potentially behind this, but I've certainly heard of that before about people with natural psychic medium gifts interfering with electronics, definitely. Mm. I've actually had some strange things happen to me later on in life where um, it's daylight, it's midday, nothing out of the ordinary and I'll see something and I've seen my partner have a really bad accident. I've seen what the doctor looked like. I've seen the hospital, the colours on the wall of the hospital, his mum coming through the room, running to the bedside bed and six weeks later that event happened. Oh. I've seen two wedding cars where the drivers both get out and start fighting with each other on a Wednesday at five o'clock. I've seen it and then a couple of days later I actually see that thing happen. So that's all. I've seen my husband win some money once um, for a Melbourne Cup. So there's events that I see and they actually come through and true. So you have premonitions? I have premonitions mm -hmm. and I also can tell a lot of people their fortune, but I try not to. I do sometimes when I have a few drinks and everyone <laughs> says it's always correct. Oh, goodness. Well, 
And what about lately, though? I think things have been quieter. Is that right, Julie? Okay, one of the houses which was in Adelaide um, where I had my children and got married, there's a few weird things that happened there. Um, We actually ended up demolishing the house and rebuilding a brand new one. And from the day of my brand new house, nothing ever happened. No noises, nothing turning on, no presence. And um, I was in that house for about five or six years and then I moved to Queensland for eight and a half years. Previously, my in the last few years, my mother's passed away, my father-in-law's passed away, and absolutely nothing. There's been zero around me. There's been no noises, no nothing. That is interesting. I'm not actually sure what the explanation is for that, but that's that's definitely intriguing. The other thing that's interesting, Julie, is that you're a real estate agent, and I ever I wonder if you ever wonder what might be lurking inside the many many houses that you step into. Oh, don't say that. I'll be too scared <laughs> to go into them. <laughs> no, I, I never thought of it like that. Um, actually, there has been one house I was a bit iffy about. I got a, not a very nice feeling when I went in there, but yeah. Okay. Well, Julie, it's it's a wonderful story. It's intriguing. It's scary, and it um, it just opens up so many questions. But what I want to finish with is the question that I put to all of my guests: What do you think an encounter with the dead can teach us about living? Well, absolutely. There's an afterlife because there has to be because so many people in this world has seen ghosts or experience something that's not natural to our, our way of life. Um, not that I'm, I'm saying about UFOs or ghosts or whatever that, that may be, but too many people have seen it or, or encountered a, a situation that they've been into for it not to be true. So I believe there's some kind of afterlife. I don't know what it is or if it's somebody that it's not ready to pass yet, I don't know, um, but there's definitely something there. There is indeed. I agree with you. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for being on The Ghost Files with us today and sharing your amazing story. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you for opening up The Ghost Files with us. I'm Karina Machado and we'll be back next week with more true life tales of spooky encounters. So please subscribe so you catch every episode. In the meantime, you can check out my other podcast about mysteries and marvels, Spirit Sisters, based on my best-selling book. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time for more Goosebumps.